have a short time, but Lord, let me not just rush through things. Let me speak Your Word. Prepare our hearts. Prepare our minds. God, I'm excited about the Word of God. The Word of God is life today. And so we receive this Word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse, uh, starting in verse 3. Now let me tell you before that. Jesus went. This is what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he, what we're talking about today are the Beatitudes. Jesus gave this sermon. He talked about a lot of different things. And, and the, the Sermon on the Mount probably took hours. Hours. So have you ever been to a church that's lasted more than one hour? Here. An hour and a half. Have you ever been to a church that's lasted more than two hours? Three hours? Four hours? Five hours? Six hours? Seven hours? Some of you eight? Nine? Ten? Like, usually by about an hour and a half, most of us have checked out. And these guys were sitting there, they were hanging on every word that Jesus gave. And he wasn't just giving them, hey, ten ways to make more money, ten steps to a better marriage, three ways to increase, you know, uh, having good breath or good hair, hairstyle. He was giving them life-changing characteristics that would help them to live in a wicked world. We say how wicked of a world we live in today, it was just as bad back then. Did you know that? And so Jesus said, hey, here are some things, here are some characteristics. If you practice these, if you allow my spirit to put these into your life, you will be mature and you'll be able to handle anything the world throws at you and you will be blessed. You will be truly happy. In fact, it would be good for the modern Christian today. We could be more mature, we could be more fruitful, and we could be more satisfied if we would take the Beatitudes, which I'm going to talk about some this morning, if we would take these Beatitudes and begin to allow the spirit to apply them to our lives. Amen? So if you're ready, listen with your heart, listen with your mind, listen with your spirit, because today you're going to be blessed if you're ready. Amen? The first thing, we talked about this last week. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, starting in, uh, I'm going to do 3, 4, and 5 right now, um, in 6. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Last week we talked about the first two, being, being poor in spirit, being broken and hearted. Broken hearted. If you didn't hear that message, you weren't here, go to the, go to the internet, www.rockvilleag.com, hit podcast, listen to it, write in a little card saying, I would like a CD. Are you ready? Matthew 5, I have it here, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. I want to read this to you. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I like what this says in, in uh, the New Living. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And then Paul said, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. What happens is this. Weakness sometimes is equated with meekness. Meekness, write this down. Meekness is not weakness. Okay, say that with me. Meekness is not weakness. The definition of meekness in our world is equated with weakness. People that are milquetoast, people that are sissies, people that, that have no backbone. The Greek word for this meekness actually appeals to a strong person who is self-disciplined and who can show strength through being gentle and being meek. In fact, again, this flies in the face of what our society tells us. It says, be forceful, be cocky, toot your own horn, show off all that you have so that people will bow down and worship. You see, the world thinks in the terms of strength, power, self-assurance, aggressiveness, conquest, and possessions. This is how to inherit the earth. God says, no, the meek, the meek will inherit the earth. What's inherit the earth? 
you will gain all things that God needs to give. Isn't that awesome? It doesn't say go and beat people up. It doesn't say go and show who's better. It says strength through self-control. You see, again, meekness is not timidity. Oh, I'm a Christian. Go ahead and kick me. Punch me. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know. I'm a Christian. I don't know what to do. No, Jesus. Did you ever see Jesus do that? Yes, he was a man, and he stood, and he allowed himself to be beaten. He allowed himself to be tortured. He allowed himself to be spit on, to be crucified. But Jesus was not a little weakling. In fact, if you, if, if he was a carpenter. They didn't have power tools. I love power tools, by the way. But they didn't have power tools. So I imagine being a carpenter, he probably was a little cut up a little bit, you know? Some of you understand what I'm talking about. Some muscles. He wasn't a sissy. Go ahead. Blessed are you. Please don't hit me. I'm just Jesus. No, he was strong in character. He knew what he was about. He was meek. In fact, Barclay describes it this way. Blessed is a man who has every instinct in control. Blessed is the man whose every impulse and every passion is under control. Blessed is the man who is entirely self-controlled. You see, self-control is strength. We live in a world saying, well, I can't help it. I can do what I want, but I can't help myself. You are not an animal. I have to tell my dog, no, it's not time to eat. He wants to eat, like we feed him at 5, he wants to eat at 3 o'clock. He has no self-control. His stomach's growling, you know, and I know that. I get that too. But you're not an animal. You're like, I I can't control myself. Meekness will help you control yourself. Meekness, the meek will inherit the earth. Not those who are passionately out of control. You can still be passionate. Jesus was passionate. In fact, letter B, Jesus was weak, yet he was powerful. In fact, when Jesus was preparing to be crucified, two men faced each other at the governor's palace. Jesus the meekest man who ever lived. And then the other was Pontius Pilate, a man of extraordinary pride. Jesus appeared to be weak. He appealed to be frail and impotent. He was a poor Jew that was, poor Jew that was caught up in the Roman tide of history. And then on the other hand was Pilate, who was the personification of Roman power. He, he would tell people, you go over here, you go over there, you kill that person, you take their money, bring me food. And we think, that's, that's life, man. Bucks, babes, Bling it. That, hey, get over here. Jesus didn't have any of that. Jesus wasn't about that. In fact, what a paradox, because you see, Jesus the prisoner was actually the free man. Think about that. Jesus was the prisoner in this situation, but he was actually free. Jesus was in absolute control. This was all happening because Jesus was allowing this to happen. Pilate, the governor, was the prisoner of his own pride. You've heard that. Pride comes before fall, right? He could not even control his own soul. He had no inheritance. The meek shall inherit the earth. Not the proud. Not the obnoxious. Not those who think they have power. In fact, Jesus was the master of paradox. He said this, the last shall be first. Giving is receiving. Dying is living. Losing is finding. Isn't this phenomenal? Least is greatest. Poor is rich. Weakness in strength. Serving is is ruling. You see, the last thing that we want, none of us want to serve. We want to be served. That's the American mentality. We, we want to be strong, but to be strong, you must be meek. Not weak, but meek. Meekness shows great power and authority. In fact, Philippians 2, 
5 through 11 says, Your attitude should be the same as the world. No, it says the attitude should be that of Jesus Christ, who, being the very nature God, did not consider himself, equality with God something to be grasped, but check this out, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord. Is Pilate's name in there? No, Jesus' name is in there. The meek shall inherit the earth. Let us see. The meek person doesn't promote themselves. Jesus didn't self-tweet. Jesus didn't take selfies and post them on Instagram. Jesus didn't have his followers on tweet. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow, Jesus got a million followers. And it was kind of interesting. And I might offend some of you, but there was a politician recently that had a bunch of false, fake Twitter accounts to give him followers. You see, Jesus didn't go around. His PR company didn't go out passing out flyers. Jesus is coming down. Jesus is coming down. Come and see Jesus. He's powerful. No, Jesus' presence preceded him. His power preceded him. He didn't have to go out and tell people how good he was. He was just good. He was great. Amen? Do you see what I'm talking about? Jesus said in John 12, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just going to, you write it down. He says, I don't speak on my own. I speak about the Father's glory. And then again in Philippians 2, and I want you to write this down. Philippians 2, hit the next one. I'm going to read it. If any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love. Being, check this out. One in spirit and purpose. Listen to this, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Do you know when Jesus went to town, what did he do? Hey, follow me. Give me your money. Give me your tweets. Give me, give me support. No, he said, how can I heal you? How can I strengthen you? How can I help you? You see, that's different because the world says, gain, beat, do what you need, manipulate, lie, make yourself powerful, look good. Jesus said, no, I'm going to glorify the Father. The meek shall inherit the earth, not those who think they're powerful. You see, check this out. The greatest liberty, listen, the greatest liberty is having nothing to prove. Let me say that again. The greatest liberty is having nothing to prove. We live in a society, hey man, you gotta, you gotta toot your horn. You, if you wanna get ahead and work, you gotta prove that. You gotta tell your boss, did you see me do that? No, you know what you're doing? You're setting yourself up for failure. Because God is a promoter. You work hard, you do the right thing, God will promote you. It, it may not seem like that in the beginning, but God will do it every time. That person that's always trying to self promote, I don't know if you about this, but they get themselves into trouble. Look at me, look what I can do. They talk a lot, but they don't do a lot. And your boss sees through that, amen? Customers see through that. Let God be your promoter. You see, when the Holy Spirit controls our egos, we get out of the way, and God can do marvelous things in us and through us. But when our ego gets in the way, we seek to draw attention to ourselves. In fact, Matthew 6, 1, he says, Be careful not to let your acts of righteousness do them before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father. Wow! Hey, Pastor Daniel, did you see what I did this week? Come on, I went out and fed homeless people. Hey, look at me, Pastor Daniel. God says, I will receive no reward. 
You don't need to be telling everyone, hey, hey, I gave I gave a thousand dollars to the missions thing. Hey, I put fifty bucks in. Did you see that? God says, I don't care about that. Your heart is not right. Do it with the right attitude. Isn't that awesome? Let others toot your horn lest you fall because of pride. Amen? This is good stuff, isn't it? You should be like, wow, this is awesome. It is. Okay, letter D. I'm moving on. A meek person doesn't retaliate. Oh, we don't like that, do we? I'm mean, going to honestly, I struggle sometimes in this area. I don't like people taking advantage of you. I don't like people pushing me around. I don't like it. So stop. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so Jesus could have easily, he was God. When, when, when Pontius Pilate was saying you, making fun of God, Jesus could have said, shut up, sit down. He could, have, he could have called angels, hundreds of thousands, millions of angels down when he was on the cross. Gar- cross, guards, angels, take care of these Roman soldiers. Wipe them out. But because he was meek, he did not retaliate. He knew what he was about. He knew his purpose. Jesus neither practiced retaliation nor vindictiveness. When he was mocked and spit on, he answered nothing. When his friends betrayed him and fled, he uttered no reproach. You ever had friends backstab you? Don't point at someone. Yeah, right there. Don't do that. That's rude, okay? We've all had that, but he, his, his friends abandoned him. He didn't say, I'm going to get him in. I'm after him. I'm watching you. <laughs> he didn't do that. He said, hey, it's all good because I'm God and I know what's going on. God will pay back every person for what they do. And you see, in all of his life, Jesus was meek and was in control the whole time. Romans 12, 19 and 20 says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Where it is written, It is mine to vengeance, or vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if, you are enemy, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Listen to this. Do not... Be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Some like, oh, sweet, I can't wait to burn my neighbors. Oh, can I help you out? No, that's not what he was saying. He was saying, love them. Treat them the way you would want to be treated and watch God deal with them. Some like, oh, I can't wait to get my boss. Yeah, I'm going to burn him down. Woo! That's not what he was saying. He was saying, don't overcome the world with evil. Overcome it with good. Amen? When it came to faith and welfare of others, Jesus stood up for them. You could mock him all you want. You could spit at him. Call him. He, he didn't worry about it. But when you started attacking the poor, the homeless, the kingdom of God, the church, when you abused the church, he went after. He rebuked. I mean, man, he called, he called religious people white, you know, washed tombs. He called them snakes. I mean, he, he, when it was about the kingdom, he did not stand back. Money changers in the, in the temple. He got mad. He made a whip. He beat people and threw them out of the temple. Can you imagine? This isn't pansy Jesus that we're talking about. This isn't hippie Jesus. Hey, God bless you, man. Whatever you want. No, Jesus was, I mean, taking a whip, you know, beating people out of the temple. But he knew when to use his anger at the right time because he was under control. And when people abused people, and when, when they took advantage. And, and so there's a difference. We are to stand up for the oppressed. We're to stand up for our faith. We're to stand up for God's kingdom. But we're not to seek revenge. Amen? Good preaching. Letter E. Here's how to become meek. Are you ready to become meek? Are you ready? If you're mean in your treatment of others, if there's an absence of gentleness in your treatment of others, then you need to be meek. 
If you make sure you always get yours first, if first, if being first is the driving force in your life, if you care little about how your actions affect others, you need meekness. If you are known as, as someone never to cross, if you get your pound of flesh, then you absolutely need, need meekness. We must seek the Spirit's help. It says the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians, I'm not going to read it all, but Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The meek shall inherit the earth. Secondly, secondly, to become meek, you must yoke yourself to Jesus. Now, how many of you know what a yoke is? Not an egg yolk, but a yoke. Y-O-K-E. If you, it's, it's an instrument of implementation. So in, in, in this time, what they would do is Jesus was making reference. They would take an experienced ox, an older ox, and they would yoke a younger ox to the older ox. Why? Because the younger ox wanted to just go, right? It was full of energy. Let's it just go, go, just go all over the place. So what they do is they would take the younger ox and they would yoke it to the older ox because the older ox then would teach the younger ox the timing, the steps, he would teach the ox where to go. He would teach the younger ox how to listen to the master's voice. And you see, the problem is many of us are not yoked to Jesus. We're yoked to the TV. We're yoked to the politics. We're yoked to our friends. We're yoked to our flesh. And, and when your flesh says jump, yeah, scared some of you, didn't you? Like, what kind of weird church am I at, man? Hey, we're a life-giving church. And when the world says, you got to be politically correct, and you're like, I can't. I'm the, who's pulling you now? Who's in charge now, huh? Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus will never lead you astray. You need to yoke yourself. You need to say, Jesus, I will humbly allow you to put this harness on me because I want to be meek. I want to inherit the earth. This is powerful. Isn't this awesome? God is good. This is how you become meek. Remember the progression. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. And then the third one is, this makes room for meekness. Meekness makes more room for God. And when there's more of God, there are more blessings in your life. Come on, amen? Here's the reward of meekness. Are you ready? I'm going to, because I want to move on. Here's the reward of meekness. God is glorified through meek believers, not self-righteous people. Without, listen, without humility, a person cannot learn. You ever try to teach someone that knows everything? You know that saying, hire a teenager before they become adults because they know everything. You know, I was a teenager. I told you the story. I, I would, my, my dad would say something. My mom would say, I know, come on, I know, I know. Dad stand up. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. My brothers would say something. I know, I know. And finally, my older brother, who was a little bit older in years, when my mom and dad were at home, took me downstairs and said, Stan... I want you to stop. And he's like, I want, I'm tired of you saying you know. You don't know everything. I, I, you don't know everything. You don't know everything about mathematics. You don't know everything about science. You don't know everything that people are going to say. You don't know, so stop saying that. But of course, there was a, a fist ready to hit me. You don't know everything. And if you think you know everything, you're never going to learn. Amen? You will not be able to have blessings of God if you think you know everything. Without humility, without humility, there can be no such thing as love. Meekness will learn and love and learn how to be loved. Check this out. I want to say this. The man or woman or person 
No man can lead others until he has mastered himself. No man can serve others until he submits to God. No man can control others until he learns self-control. Here's the biggest result of meekness, is getting yourself in self-control and then inheriting the earth. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you tired of blowing up all the time? Aren't you tired of jumping to conclusions? Aren't you tired of, of allowing people to push you around and trying to think you can retaliate when God says, don't do that. I will take care of it. Isn't it awesome? Let's move on. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Number six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Matthew 5, 6. Again, it says that. Matthew 5, 6 in the message says, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you will ever eat. We all know this. I'm going to say this just briefly. Letter A, you are what you eat. We've heard that, right? A million times, right? If you eat Twinkies, you're going to become looking like a Twinkie. Right? You eat carrots, your your skin. I mean, seriously, if you eat carrots all the time, you're going to start looking orange. And you're going to grow a little tail. No, I'm just kidding. And a little ear. I'm just kidding. But but you are what you eat. So so in the spiritual sense, I know I I say this a lot, but in the spiritual sense, it's the same thing. Romans 8, 5 through 8. Those who live to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You are what you eat. In fact, if you feed on violence you feed on excitement, you feed on erotica, you you feed on materialism, you're going to eventually personify those things. How many times do we have to see someone going to a place and shooting someone else? I think it's because we are living in a violent society. The video games are violent. The TV shows are violent. And then you have the suppressed people who don't know how to deal with life without God, and they're, they're blowing people up, they're shooting each other. We have this because... We are not following the Spirit. We are not hungering and thirsting for the things of God. Are you hearing me? You will become what you... In fact, history and the news are replete with examples. Think about Elvis Presley. How many, Elvis wrote some good music, right? Thank you, thank you very much. Some of you know who Elvis is, right? Some of you who? Elvis Presley. If you don't know, he's a great musician. And, and my wife and I, we actually happened to go see his Graceland. We drove by there as, as we were raising funds as missionaries, planning a church. But, but check this out. Elvis was a person of passion... And he was a victim of his own appetite. He died of drugs and eating too much. Michael Jackson, some of you love him. He was a, what a waste of good talent. He also was a victim of his own appetite. I mean, we could look at the paper every day. You could look through history books every day and find people, they become what they eat and then they die because of that. So let's talk about this. What are you hungering and thirsty for? A good appetite. A good appetite. Uh, nutritionists say that in order to build a good appetite, you have to eat better food. You build an appetite for what you eat regularly. Oh, I I don't know if you can see this, but in my hand, this came to our house on Reformation Day. Halloween for some of you. (laughs) Milky Way. This used to be my favorite, one of my favorite candy bars. Gloria a Dios. In fact, I still, in the back of my mind, I still think I love these things. I think these these are some of the best candy in the world. And so, in fact, my daughter said, Dad, you can take the Milky Way. So I I, I said, thank you, Jesus. So I brought some Milky Ways to work on, and I I ate lunch. I had a healthy lunch for for lunch, and I had three Milky Way babies, and I was like, oh, man, oh, this is awesome. And so what you eat is what you want to eat. And you see, because I don't eat like this anymore... 
guess what happened? I ate one Milky Way after lunch. And I'm like, oh. You're like, Pastor, come on. I'm serious. I was like, ooh. I rebuked that in Jesus' name because I got to eat that other Milky Way. So later that afternoon, it was about 3 o'clock, and I usually have, I have fruit in the afternoon or something like that, a healthy snack. But then that Milky Way was sitting there. Oh, yeah. Mmm. Yes. And so, so I opened up the second Milky Way, and I ate, and I said, oh, this is awesome. And I'm like, oh. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. So in fact, here's the third Milky Way. Who wants this thing? Someone in the back. I'm going to throw it. You ready? Pass this back to somebody. Catch it. I don't want that thing in my desk anymore. But you see, what's happened is because I've stopped eating like that, I don't desire that anymore as much. And my body gets sick. In other words, if you want a good spiritual appetite, you've got to start cutting the garbage out of your life. Come on, amen? Prayer and Bible study must be the first things that you do during the day, sometime, somehow. It's, it's, it's this. If, if you want to eat healthier food, then you must increase healthier food. Well, I don't like healthy food. Man, I love healthy food now. I still like a cheeseburger every once in a while. Gloria a Dios. Love a burrito. I, lo- I love all that stuff, but I can't eat it a lot. And over time, your body begins to crave good things. I crave whole grain breads. I crave carrots. I crave raisins. I crave lettuce. I crave good foods. I don't crave McDonald's anymore. I've, I've been told, some people say that, that fast food uh, uh, has chemicals in it to, that make you addictive. Again, I'm not a scientist, but it sure seems like that. Right? Over time, eating healthy makes you overall healthier and it gives you a chance for a long, long life. Think about that in the spiritual sense. Jesus was saying, if you will be blessed if you hunger and thirst for spiritual righteous things. You will be blessed by hungering for the things of God. What you feed your mind and soul on begin to grow out of your words and they become to action. If you're watching everything on the internet, on the TV, and you're never in the Word, you're going to become what you're watching. I'm not going to repeat that anymore. But if you're in the Word and you're praying and you're, you're worshiping God, He's going to start coming out of your life and you're going to be blessed. Amen? So let's talk about the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. Let her see Mankind has it all mixed up. We think, blessed is he who pursues happiness. No, the Bible says, blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. Hear me on that. But the tragedy is that that the world gives its whole self for seeking after happiness, but it's never satisfied. Come on, right? Michael Jackson died. He was never satisfied. Elvis Presley died. He was never satisfied. How many people are killing themselves, but they're not satisfied, chasing after the next happiness, after the next happiness? But if we begin to put seeking after righteousness, the Bible says you will be blessed. You will be happy. God gives blessedness or happiness. He gives life-changing experience to those who seek after righteousness. You see, sometimes, sadly, even people come to church looking for happiness through experiences. God says, don't come for here for experiences, come for me. And then you will experience me. You see, we have churches full of people that, oh man, they didn't have enough tongues and interpretation. The worship wasn't good. The pastor's sermon just wasn't hit. And you walk away hungry because you didn't come looking for God. You came looking for an experience. Amen? It's good preaching, right? Letter D. Not snacking, but desperate hungering. You see, many of us, some of you have, but many of us in this room, 
have never experienced real hungering and thirsting. Some of us have no idea what it is to go to bed at night not having eaten for days. Some of you do. Some of us have no idea what it's like to be thirsty because when we're thirsty, you go get a water bottle, you drink some water. You turn on the faucet, you drink some water. You're hungry, you go to the fridge, you go to the pantry. If that doesn't work, then you go to Chipotle, right? Praise God, right? But you see, in, in, in the time that Jesus was talking about was these people in Palestine, they understood. They understood what he was talking about because at any moment they, they could die of hunger or they could die of thirst. Okay, you know, you can, you can go almost three weeks without food, some longer. You can go three days without water, three minutes without air. But it's sad that we go a lifetime without Jesus. And we wonder why our life is out of order. Amen? You see, we have it all wrong. We want happiness. We, we, we want what the world says, but God is saying, no, want what, what I want to give you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus was talking, not a, a snacking. I mean, some of us, we eat because it's, we just do it out of habit. Jesus said, no, I want you to be desperate for me. I've got to eat. I need God's word. I need God. It is a desperate starving for righteousness, a desperate hungering to conform your life to God's will. The psalmist said in Psalm 63.1, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He was saying, God, I cannot be satisfied until I have you in my life. This is what Jesus was saying. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let me talk about real quick what righteousness is not, so we, as we get down to the end. What this righteousness God was talking about is different than the righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. We are saved by grace, not by works. But this is not what Jesus is talking about. This righteousness is not moral justice. See, some people take the scripture and says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we're supposed to go out and make things right. No, God makes things right. This is not, we should stand up. We should fight racism. We should fight abortion. We should fight the mistreatment of people. But in this instance, this is not what Jesus was talking about. Some thought, well, this means that this is our righteousness happening in outward morality. Even though it will come because God is in you, and tithing is, is the choice of you, the will, and you should tithe, and being faithful to your church and pastor, good. This is not what Jesus was talking about right here. So let's talk about what it is. Letter F, what righteousness is. James 1.21 Therefore, check this out. Get rid of some of the filth in your life. Now, what does it say? What? Get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. This requires activity. It doesn't require passivity. Does this make sense? God is saying to you and I, if you want to grow in righteousness, you've got to cut out the junk from the world. Get rid of those magazines that you shouldn't be looking at. Cut off some of your friends that pull you down. Stop watching some of that junk on TV. Stop going doing internet searches for stuff you know you shouldn't be looking at. Amen? What righteousness is, is God's eternal righteousness planted in your heart. Uh, Lawrence used a scripture, I want to read it to you again. Mark 4, 18-20. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for things come in. And check this out. It chokes the word. 
making it unfruitful. But check this out, verse 20. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. If you and I would begin to cut the garbage out of our lives and begin to say, God, my heart is open, God can multiply your life 30, 60, 100 times. Isn't that awesome? Okay, well, I'll accept that. It is an unpretentious righteousness. You see, the Pharisees did the righteous acts so others would look at them and say, oh, look, look how awesome they are. In this case, this is not God coming out of their lives. This is them showing off who they are. And you see, sometimes Christians, we're trying to be busy for God instead of being with God. You, need, you and I need to learn how to be with God before we do for God. Because when you're with God, then you will begin to do for God because you begin to love the things that He loves. Amen? It is instead... I mean, check because you see the Pharisees were blind to Jesus. The word was choked out because they were concerned about the praises of men. Those who hunger and thirst, they have an intense desire to please God no matter who sees it or not. Your friends are going to make fun of you for coming to Wednesday nights. Your schedule is going to get busier. I'm praying against that. Your TV shows are going to get all moved to Wednesday nights. And you're going to say, oh, I don't know. Wednesday night. No, you say, man, I'm hungry and thirsty for God. I could care less. DVR. Hulu. Come on, right? Who is more important, God or your TV? Oh, did I just say that? Yes, I did. Thank you. What kept the Pharisees out was their selves. Philippians Paul says in 3.10, I, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him to the death. Letter G, let me end with these last things. Letter G. The test of true spiritual appetite. These are the tests to see whether your appetite is true spiritually or if you're, you're feeding on the junk of the world. The first is the fruit of the Spirit will increase in us. You will have more love. You will have more joy. You will have more peace. You will have more patience. You'll have more kindness. You'll have more gentleness. You'll have more goodness, more faithfulness. You'll have more self-control. Are you satisfied with being angry all the time? Are you happy that your flesh controls you more than the Holy Spirit? Hunger and thirst for God, and you'll get control of those things. The next thing is, is we will see through our false righteousness. We will know our true motives. I go to church because I want to be blessed. No, you're going to say, I want to go to church because I, I need God. Man, I don't know about it. When I was studying this series, I've been trying to study this for the last couple months, I have been doing a lot of repenting. Saying, God, I need some help, man. I'm a slime sometimes, Father. I'm a wicked man looking at these scriptures. God, I need to be changed. I'm not where I need to be. And so I'm reading this word. I'm, I'm confessing. In fact, I was preparing even for Sunday. I'm like, God, I confess because I'm not there yet. I'm seeing past my false righteousness. Sure, I can be a good guy. Sure, I can, I can pretend. But it's seeing through. Then Paul says, I count all that stuff rubbish. Philippians 3, 7, 3. I want, I want you to write that because I want to move on. The, the next thing, letter 3, is a test of true spiritual appetite is we avoid everything opposed to righteousness. We avoid things that are opposed to righteousness. I can't make myself like Christ in my own power, but I sure can get out of the gutter with the power of Christ. I can stay out of the gutter. I don't have to go to the gutter to befriend people. Amen? 
I don't have to go and get drunk to, to win my friends to Christ because that's not going to happen. I don't need to get stoned to win my friends to Christ. I don't need to do that stuff. I don't need to curse like them. I don't need to accept political correctness. I can be like Christ and allow Him to work through my life. Amen? This means getting the heart of God and not enjoying being entertained by sin. And you know what? There's a lot of stuff, and God has been convicting me about the stuff I watch on TV. There's stuff. We just laugh about it. We joke about it. And now even like Zoe, we're listening to... I listen to Christian music. I listen to non-Christian music because I love music. And there are some songs I'm like, Dad, are you going to turn that or not? I'm like, I, I wasn't even paying attention to the words. And I'm thinking, wow, my kids are catching this. Yes, we're to be the light of the world, but you don't have to participate in the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-15. Check this out again. Here's that concept. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? You see, you yoke yourself with darkness long enough, it's going to pull you down. You're always at the, at the place where your friends are doing wrong things, you're going to begin to get weakened. If there's an infection in a house or a country, what do they do to that house? They quarantine it. You need to put a spiritual quarantine on certain things or certain friends or certain places. I can't go down that aisle. I can't go to that place anymore. I still love you, but I can't hang out with you because you're pulling me down. Amen? They may not like you for it, but God will bless you for it. Amen? A disciplining of our life. A disciplining of our life. Now, we don't like this. Discipline is a nasty word in, in American churches today. In fact, it's a nasty word in our society. No one likes to be disciplined, do they? You wouldn't like it if I started calling your house, knocking on your door at 6 a.m. Hey, get up, get up, get up, get up. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go run, let's go run. I don't do that, by the way. But I... Come on, hey, no, don't eat those things. Let's eat this instead. You're like, no, get out of here, right? If I'm coming to, your, I come to work, hey, you shouldn't eat that. No, 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 don't eat that. You've got to eat these carrots instead. You'd get mad at that, wouldn't you? But if your doctor said, if you don't stop the way you're doing this, you're going to die, you're going to begin, hopefully, to start disciplining yourself, Right? We don't like it. You see, we want, we want blessings, but we don't want the effort to get the blessings. And people who really desire something with their whole being don't sit down for it. They're active for it. And too many people in the church, we want God to be poured out. Well, we want the Holy Spirit to flow. We want to get God. We want you to move the altar, but we sit back while we wait for Him to move. Instead of saying, I want to hunger and thirst, I'm knocking. The Word says to ask, to seek, and knock, and I, it will come to me. Amen? When's the last time you stayed up all night praying for something? When's the last time you said, I'm going to fast from lunch because I need God to break through? When's the last time you were so desperate for your family and friends that you were crying on, on your face before saying, God, I need them to be saved? You see, an Olympic athlete trains daily to win. A person hungering for God disciplines themselves to win. 1 Corinthians 9, 25-27 Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man beating, running, running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We do what's important to us. Do you hear what I just said? We do what's important to us. We make time for what's important to us. Well, Pastor Stan, I don't have time for Bible study. But you have time to sit in front of the TV for hours. 
Pastor Stan, you don't understand. I don't have time to pray. But you're willing to be on Facebook and Twitter for hours. Come on, this is good preaching, right? Well, Pastor, I'm busy. I'm tired of hearing that. Everybody's busy. But you will always make priority for the things that, that, that you want done in your life. We see where there is a will, there is a way. And it's amazing how, how we find time for the things that we want to do. I mean, I have some friends that are, they're like, they're gym rats. I mean, they get up, they get up before God gets up to go to work out. I'm thinking, God bless you, man. I do it later in the day. I mean, they do, they eat like wheat grass and they eat like whole grains. And I'm, I like, I don't like wheat grass, but I like whole grains and stuff like that. But I, I still discipline myself so that I can know more about God. You see, if spiritual growth and being blessed by God is important to us, then we will make, listen, we will make our time schedules conform to Him. Not our time schedules saying, God, you better conform to my time schedule or I'm not going to do this. You're not really hungry for God then. Pastor, how dare you? I'm serious. If you were hungry for God, you would make ways to do things for God. Come on, amen? Everyone is busy. What are you busy doing? I'm getting down to the end. Letter number five is we put ourselves in the way of getting it. You see, blind Bartimaeus, I read this earlier, blind, this week, blind Bartimaeus could not heal himself, but put himself in the path where Jesus would be. Matthew chapter 10, 46, 46 through 47. It says, they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus and now there's, he began to be quiet. He began to shout. And if you want blessings, you're going to put yourself where Jesus is going to be. Come on, amen? A person who's really hungry for the things of God are not going to miss the opportunities of God. So Sunday mornings, you're going to start coming early. Amen, right? You're going to say, I don't want to miss worship. I don't want, I don't want to be in a hurry. Hey, hey, I'm not going to schedule things at 12, 30, 1 o'clock. Sometimes it happens. I understand we do the same thing at times. But if you want the ways of God, blind Bartimaeus put himself in the path where Jesus would be. He couldn't heal himself. He couldn't make himself see, but Jesus could. And he put himself in a place to be blessed by God. And the church in America, we say we want to be blessed, but we don't put ourselves in a path to be blessed. You see, those that want to be blessed, they make attending services on Sunday a priority. On Wednesdays, too, coming soon. They, they, make, they make reading their Bible priority over watching TV and reading the paper. Prayer should be a lifetime, lifeline to us, to God, not the Internet. Amen? I said this earlier, but people sit in front of the TV and the computer for hours, yet they complain they have no time for church and they have no time for prayer. Come on, really? Seriously, you're going to use that excuse. Amen? Stop using that excuse because that's, most of that stuff is just garbage. I mean, there's times when I, want to, I sit on my couch, I veg out and I just watch stuff. I do that. But I say, God, I don't want to watch junk that's going to pull me away from you. Are you really hungry? and thirsty for righteousness, then prove it. Don't prove it to me. Prove it to yourself. Prove it to God. Amen? The last thing, I have two last things, is we want to know Jesus more and more. Jesus is the bread of life. And last thing, letter G, is the reward of hunger for God. It says, the Bible says, they will be filled. Filled with what? Filled with righteousness. Filled with love. Filled with power. Filled with wisdom. Filled with all good things. Would you stand with me this morning? I want those, we have, we have an all time, just for a few minutes. I know we have a water baptism. 
But I want those, you know what, Pastor Stan? I want to hunger and thirst for right. So I want you just to come to the front. Come on, right now. I want God to fill my life. I want good things. Come on, come down. I want to turn off the garbage that's just pulling me aside. I don't want to be yoked to the world anymore. I want to be yoked to God. Come to the front. Come on. Say, you know what, Pastor Stan? I want to be meek. I want to have my, my passions in control. Come on to the front right now. I want to pray for you real quick. Say, I, I don't want this world anymore. I want the things of God in my life. I want to hunger and thirst for God. I don't want my schedule dictating my life. I want God to fill my life. I don't want to be angry all the time. I don't want to be a passionist, a passion person that can't control his passions, but I want to be a meek person. I don't want to toot my horn. Come on, just keep coming to the front, those that are coming. Father, would you move? Holy Spirit, move right now. We give you permission, Father God. Spirit of God, we give you permission to change us, God. I don't want people coming down here because of what I said. I want them coming down here because they want what you want in their lives, God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God, there are some of us, we're looking for happiness instead of looking for you. If that's you, come to the front. Say, I'm tired of looking for happiness. I'm tired of looking for experiences. I want God because it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Come on, come to the front. Come to the front. Those who say, I want more of God in my life. I need to cut junk out. I need to stop hanging around certain people. I need to turn off the TV some. I want God to be control of my life. Because when you give God control, He will bless you in more ways than you can even imagine. Father, pour out your spirit right now. Come on, church. Begin to call out on God. If you're right to the front, call out on Him. Call out that thing. If you need to confess sins, if you need to say, God, cleanse me. Father, cleanse me because I can be a wicked man. I can be lazy. I can have ulterior motives. I can have things that I want because there's a certain thing I want. God, I'm tired of that. I want all that you want. I want you, God. I want the church in America to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, God. That we're about your business, not our business, God. We're not trying to get ahead at all costs. We're trying to get to know you at all costs, God. Because when we know you at all costs, you'll bless us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Come on, church, begin to cry out for Him. Cry out for Him. God, we need You to pour out Your life, Your power in our lives. God, forgive us for self-righteousness. Forgive us for tooting our own horn. Forgive us for retaliating in revenge. Forgive us for wanting people to get, to get in trouble, Lord. We don't want that anymore. We want, we want to be meek, God. Forgive us for, for allowing our passions and our flesh to control us. We want to be in control of those things. Father, forgive us for trying to, to say how good we are when You're the only one that's good. And Father, forgive us for allowing our schedules to be dictated by everything else except for You, God. We want Your kingdom. This church wants more of You. These people want more of You. I want more of You, God, because it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. So Lord, we want You. Come on, church, cry out. Cry out right now. God, we need You. We want you, God. We want your spirit to flow in us right now. Spirit of God, just meet the need of every person. And Lord, bless us. Let us stop chasing after happiness. This world has nothing for us, God. Some of us were yoked to the world, God. Would you break that yoke and let us come under you and be yoked to you because you, God, have a better plan for our lives than the world has. There's nothing wrong with going to school. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with having uh, activities. But God, we want all our activities and our schooling and all that stuff, all our training, we want it to glorify you. You, God. So it will, it will bring you honor and glory, 